Psalm 134 says this, Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Amen. You may be seated. May the, we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. It's already getting hot in here, so I'm going to take this jacket off. And roll up my sleeves. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for us this morning. My hope and prayer is that as we conclude this series, lift up our eyes that uh, it has had an impact on your life this summer as much as it has on my life. God has really used this series to really speak to me in a, a lot of ways uh, and really challenge me in a lot of ways. You know, we've looked at these ideas of where does our help come from? And we are desperate people, are we not? We're desperate people. And so, so often the world says that we're desperate people and they play off of our desperation. And because they play off our desperation, our eyes look everywhere else but to the Lord. And then this week, I was thinking, man, this is going to be a great uh, three verses to, to teach on and to preach on. It's going to go smoothly. And then the Lord said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to let you get off that easy. I was like, really? Really, Lord? Because when we come to this text, we can read the text as Jared just read to us, and it's a very simple text, right? The text says, come, bless the Lord, all the servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy places. Bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you in Zion. He, the Lord, made the heavens and the earth. And so we can read those three small verses and the theme is like yes that's what i want that's what i desire you know each of the verses talk about the same thing being blessed by the lord or coming to bless the lord so as i was preparing this week i thought yes god i want to bless you and i I want your blessings I, i think all of us would agree to that do we not want to bless the lord and to receive his blessings And so I was like, yes, I cannot wait to get to this passage. And as only the way the Lord can work because he is sovereign in control, this is where I'm not uh, always happy about God's sovereignty. I have to believe that God sits on his throne in control today as much as he did on Wednesday. Like I got to believe that. So for me this morning, I I got here this morning and I began to prepare my heart and I thought, man, all I want to do this morning is just read these three verses, say amen and walk out the door because of where my soul is in the moment, like the angst of my soul. And I don't know if you've come here this morning with an anxious soul. That's kind of been our theme all through the summer. And so we get to the last psalm of the psalm of ascent and he's still dealing with our fear and our anxiety at least for me in the passage because i've got an anxious heart and if i have an anxious heart the anxiousness of my soul wants to rob me from being uh, uh, from giving blessing to god and then also from receiving his blessing is that not what an anxious heart does and so you know i get uh, i just got a new job in that new job, 
Uh, I'm probably part moron, I'll put it that way. Uh, I, I didn't know you're supposed to fill out a contract with people, so you kind of know like what's going on. I just kind of go into it and just kind of trust people. Well, I get my first paycheck, and I'm like, wait a second. This ain't like the other paychecks. Well, they had docked my pay significantly because I, and I didn't even know. Because like I said, I'm part moron. If I, wasn't full, if I was the other part smart, I would have looked at a contract and read the contract. And so on Friday night, like I got to believe God's still in control. But where does my anxious heart go? My anxious heart keeps me wide awake at 1.30 in the morning, thinking up all the ways to solve the problem. Well, the problem can be solved if I really believe this passage to be true. The solving of the problem comes out of verse 1. Verse 1 says this. Come and bless the Lord all the servants. You, you see, the passage is written by men who had where? Remember, we've talked about this. They're making their way all the way to Jerusalem. It's a song of a sense. They're going, they're taking this journey to Jerusalem to praise the Lord. And so these men knew about anxiety. We've talked about that. And this is the last psalm of the Psalms of Ascent. Many of the scholars say it's when they turn their back from Jerusalem, literally, to begin the journey home. And so they've been in Jerusalem, they've been worshiping God. And they've been in that spiritual high, they've been making sacrifices to God, they've been repenting of their sins, they've been in the presence of God, and now it's time to go back home. And I don't know about you, but I just wonder when they finally said the last amen, they finally cleaned up the last sacrifice and they're headed out the door if that anxiety didn't come back. If they didn't look down the, the, the road and think, oh, no, all the pressure that took us to get up here, we've not got to go and walk all the way back through it. You see, here's what we know about the world. You see, the world is not changing. For the good. And so we can come into the presence of the Lord and we can get on fire for the Lord and we can worship the Lord, but there's only one person changing that's you. The world is not waiting for you to change for its goodness, the world is waiting for your change so it can then go and devour you again. So, the world, if you leave here this morning, know that you're leaving going right back to where you came from. I've said this many times from this pulpit. If you're a believer this morning, this is the only hell you'll ever know. And so in that context, you're leaving the sanctuary of God, and literally and figuratively, and you're entering back into a very hellish world. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to distract us from that first verse. To bless the Lord. He wants to distract us. That word blessing has everything to do with the idea of worship. It's what we, uh, the, uh, great theologians, uh, years and years and years ago said this, that our faith is founded on. It's the very first confession 
There's an old confession. It's called the Westminster Catechism. The very first question in the Westminster Catechism, and the answer is this, what is the chief end of man? Why are you here? And this is our confession. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Is that true for us this morning? Or does the anxiety of the world rob us from doing those things? Worshiping God and enjoying Him forever. Because in that moment, Friday night, when I'm laying on my bed, I'm not enjoying the goodness of God. I'm caught up with all this other stuff, and I'm not blessing the Lord. My chief end of myself that night laying in my bed was to solve a financial problem. And whatever it is in your life that's robbing you of blessing the Lord is what we must deal with this morning. You see, this passage is written to the priests, to the Levites, to the ministers of the temple. And so the psalmist is saying back to the the, the ministers of the temple, hey, you bless the Lord. Because in you blessing the Lord, you're preparing the temple for the people of God to come into the worship of God. And so there's three things we can see that the the priests, there's many things, but you look in the Old Testament, the three things the priests did. They would lift up holy hands. We see that here in verse 2. The psalmist says, lift up your holy hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. So what does it mean, really? What does that little phrase mean? To lift up holy hands. In this context, it means to show our utter dependence on the Lord. Are we totally dependent on the Lord? And what they're saying is the psalmist is saying to the priest, hey, are you totally dependent on the Lord? Because priest, if you're not totally dependent on the Lord, how can we, the people of God, be totally dependent on the Lord? So for us this morning, and I hope it is for you, for me, as the priest of this place, the pastor of this place, that you would be saying to me every day, Todd, are you totally dependent on the Lord? You do not want me to get into this pulpit not totally dependent on the Lord. The second one is this. We see this throughout the Old Testament. Not only did the priests show their total dependence on the Lord, they also began this thing called the purification of the temple. That's what they would do all the time. As they were lifting holy hands, they were preparing the temple for the worship of God. What does that mean for us? What does that look like for us? I believe it means for us that you want to have a pastor in place that has ongoing confession. That I'm just confessing to the Lord my purification. I want to always remain and be steadfast in the Lord out of my dependence and out of my confession. You see, my dependency on the Lord is going to push me in to confession. And the last one is this. The sacrifices. The priests were the ones who made all the sacrifices for the people. And that means that they were always calling on the people of God to point them into repentance. That's different than confession. To repentance, which led them to a redemption. 
See, my repentance to the Lord will always lead me to being redeemed by the Lord. And so this passage is talking about the priest. Now we've got to extrapolate that into the New Testament. So I would say this, this passage for us is no longer for me solely. Flip over to 1 Peter. So that the buck doesn't stop here on me. So this passage for the priest, the Levites, the people that led the people of God. But here's what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race. That God from the beginning of time redeemed you. He chose you. He brought you from the mire, out of the mire and the clay into his glorious light. He chose you. And in choosing you, what does it say? It says this, that in choosing you, he made you a royal priesthood. So it's no longer me that's the priest. He's now saying everyone that's in this congregation that's been chosen by God into the family of God is a priest. That has huge implications back to Psalm chapter 134. So now he's no longer in this passage. We take this passage and we bump it into the New Testament. The New Testament says, okay, now all of the church must do what? We must lift up holy hands. So do you come here today with a total dependence on the Lord? I don't care what your external shows. If while we sing songs, if you lift up your hands, what I hope for and desire for is that all of us as believers, our hearts are standing for, before the Lord with holy hands lifted high. And my prayer is that, just like the priest did, that you would come here with a purified soul. That you would be doing the preparation before you ever get here on a Sunday morning to what? Prepare your heart. Paul tells us, we no longer have the temple. You are the temple. So if you are the temple, are you preparing your temple, which the Holy Spirit resides in, to be dependent on the Lord and have the expectation that he's going to do something? Which leads us to the last one. Are you making ongoing sacrifices to the Lord? And that means for us, are you have a lifestyle of utter dependence on the Lord, utter purification before the Lord, and utter repentance before the Lord? Is that what your life says? Like, would you come here this morning and answer those? Yes, this week I've lifted holy hands in dependence on the Lord. Yes, I've prepared my heart to receive what God would have for me this morning. And yes, I have made repentance and I receive his redemption. You see, if you come here without those three things happening, you will never do what the first, verse, uh, uh, the first few words say. You will never come and you will not bless the Lord. You see, if you don't have a lifestyle that is about lifting hands and making sacrifices and living in repentance, then you will not worship God. You cannot worship God. You see, if you come here this morning and you say to yourself, man, worship sure has gotten old. Worship sure has gotten 
boring. Worship sure has you fill in the blank. Well, then you have not come to worship. You have come to meet your preferences. You've come to meet what you desire, what you hope for, what you wish to be like. But you've not come to worship God. I could get up here with two spoons and bang them on my knee. If I'm worshiping the Lord, that's all that matters. I could come up here with a full rock concert, and if my heart is in the right place, I can worship God. And it doesn't matter if I sing a song way back from uh, Genesis that they sang or go to the latest, greatest contemporary song that just came out. But the reverse is true, too. I can do all those things and not worship God either. You see, worship isn't about you at all. Worship was never meant for you. Worship was not meant for you to feel good about it. You see what God says, you come and you bless me. Worship is not about you. Worship is about God. Let me say that one more time. Worship is about God. And so if you've come here and you've hoped for something and had an expectation that, man, you will hear this song or that song or sing it this way or that way, that's not how worship was ever designed to be. His word says, you come and you bless me. You do it with a banjo, you would do it with spoons, you do it with no music at all. God doesn't care how we do it. He cares how it happens. It's a hard issue. And so we ought to, as believers, never say, oh man, worship is boring. Man, that church is boring in its worship. Oh, they don't do worship the right way. They don't do it the way I want it to be done. No, God says, no, worship is about me. You see, have you come to worship God this morning? Have you come in this door to worship a holy God that sits on his throne, sovereign in control of all things? You you see, here's how we know that worship isn't about us. You see, Jack told us this a few weeks ago. If you've ever been on a mission trip, I guarantee you they're not going to sing worship the way you want them to sing it. The Chinese people are not going to break out into old southern gospel. It just ain't going to happen. But one day we will all be in the throne room of God and there will be all kinds of worshiping happening all at the same time. But it will be one central focus. It will not be white America. It will not be African American. It will not be Chinese. It will be all central to the throne room of God and his goodness and his grace. So when he says, come and bless the Lord. Have you come and bless the Lord? You see, true worship always begins and ends with God. It always does. True worship, not true music, but true worship. Worship always begins and ends with God. So I'd ask you these questions before I get to the last point. Is your life a life that is looking at the blessings? You see, this is a blessing to be here. This is a blessing to have the hymnals we have. It's a blessing to get to get in our cars. All those are the blessings from the Lord. 
And are we worshiping the blessings? Or the blesser? You see, that's where I was caught Friday night laying in my bed. That's where I was caught as I began to be in all this anxiety. Because I'd put some blessings in a paycheck and thought that was the blesser. Because if I could just have enough blank, if my check was just big enough, then I'd be okay. You see, I put my hope in a check. I put my hope in a dollar sign in those moments. And I went back and I began to reflect on this passage. And God convict me. It doesn't matter what's on that check, Todd. It does not matter what number is at the end of that check. Because if all you're doing, Todd, is putting your hope in that number, I promise you, Todd, you will never get enough. It will never satisfy you. There's not enough money. And I can sit here and say, man, oh, yes, God, if that, if that was double, I would slept securely and soundly. That might be true in that moment. But what happens when I begin to put all my hope in that number? That number can never satisfy. It'll never be big enough. And God began to speak to me at 2 o'clock in the morning and said to me, Oh, Todd, are you you worshiping that blessing? Because if you worship that blessing, I will take it from you in a heartbeat because I am a jealous God. And in my jealousy, I will take everything before you and from you to put you back on your face to me, the one who gave it all to you. You see, it's a blessing from God that I'm able to even get a paycheck. God began to say that to me. Oh, but God, I worked hard for that money. Oh, God, I went to work and I got up early for that money. And I deserve more than that money. And God said, no, no. How are you even able to get up? Because I allowed you to get up. How are you able to get up and get two steps ahead from your bed? It's because I allowed you and your body to take two steps. How did you get to work safely all those days? Because I allowed you to get there safely. How are you able to sit in front of someone and give the counsel you gave them? It's not because of that diploma on the wall. It's because I gave you a brain and a heart that's connected to me to give to people. You see, it's not about me at all. And what Satan wants to do is wrap me up in me and wrap me up in all my gifts and all my abilities and all the things that I can bring to the table. And God says, no, 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 no. I've given all that to you. That's all yours free. But I've given it all to you. So that all those would be a blessing. And in return, you'd see them as blessings. And those blessings would want point you back to me. And I was like, oh, God. Then it's not about a paycheck. I, I was there this morning. I was talking to Jerry this morning before the service. I said, Jerry, you and, you've got to be praying for me today. Because where I'm at today, I'm not in a good spot. And I was sitting there at all the songs, and God just said, I got you. I'll take care of you. Okay, God. Okay. You see, this series this summer, and I believe this all of my heart, church, has been more for me than it has been for you. 
Like God has been showing me and pointing out things in my life. Which then brings me back to the last and maybe the most important one out of all of them, the point. Verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion. You see, i got to understand that God is the blessing. But I also have to be in a posture to receive His blessings. That's what He says in verse 3. May the Lord bless you. And I've got to be okay with all the blessing that God has been given to me. But I also have to be okay when He takes those things from me. Because that's just as much of a blessing as when He put it in front of me. You see, and do I bless the Lord? You see, he says, I made heaven and earth. Hey, knucklehead, I made all of it. Heaven and earth, all of it I made. And I made it all for you. But I didn't make it all for you, for you. I made it all for you that you would see it and then you would be pointed back to me. And so I must embrace God's blessing because if I don't embrace God's blessing, then I won't see who the blessings came from. Which takes us all the way back to the beginning. It's the chief and the man to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You see, this plays out with the gospel. This plays out in, in those three points. Do you lift your hands and utter dependence on the Lord because you've come to a place in and of yourself that you recognize, man, I can't do anything. And because I can't do anything, I have no part in my salvation, then I must lift my holy hands and utter dependence to the Lord. And if I can't do anything, then I've got to always be preparing myself for what God has for me. I've always got to be cleansing the temple to receive the blessings from God. And I must always live a life in repentance because my repentance shows my desperation and my dependence. I need Christ Jesus to do as much for me as he did, to, as he did at the day of my salvation that he'll do for me today. I need God, Jesus Christ, probably more today than I did then. But I live a life that way. Because when I begin to live a life that way, I'll come and I'll bless the Lord. I will live a life of worship before the Lord. You see, that's the beauty of how we're going to end this series. Is we're ending with the Lord's Supper. No greater way to show our dependence on the Lord and to worship Him. To be reminded of what Christ Jesus did for us. That Christ Jesus sacrificed all He had so that you and I could have life. That Jesus Christ gave up all the blessings of heaven so that you could receive those blessings. Is that true for you this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning. God is so true. The chief end of all of us in this place is to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And God, I confess to you 
so often I glorify the blessings. And I enjoy the blessings. But I don't glorify you and I don't enjoy you always. And so as we sit here and we prepare our hearts, let's ask these three questions to ourselves. Do you enjoy the blessings more than the blesser? anything in your life this morning that it was taken from you or stolen from you or you lost that would rob you from blessing the Lord your wife your husband your children your job your house any blessings that were taken in this very moment from you would rob you from worshiping the Lord. And so we confess that and repent that. That's called idol worship. That's idolatry. Anything that we put before the Lord that would rob us worshiping the Lord. And the last one is this. Do you have a rhythm in your worship to the Lord of lifting up holy hands purifying yourselves before the Lord through confession and then making sacrifices repentance is that the rhythm of your life and your worship those things because we don't have those things in our life we'll never truly worship a living God God, I pray that you would make us here at Powell's Chapel true worshipers. Just like you told the lady at the well, we'd worship you in spirit and in truth. God, that you, and only the way that you can, would rip us from our preferences. Rip us from our desires, our hopes and longings and wants for how things ought to be. And we focus on you, Lord Jesus. And we'd hear from you. And we'd respond to you. God, I pray for us as a church. God, that we'd come in here each Sunday and each day that we're here. And all the days of our life with this expectation as you want to quench our thirsty souls we'd be so convicted by it God that there's no blessing that you give us that can quench that thirst of our soul only you 
Only you, God, can do that. So God, I pray as we come, we take the Lord's Supper this morning. In the quietness of this place, in the quietness of our minds and our hearts, God, you'd remove all those distractions, all those anxieties that we may have come in with. And we'd be reminded as we take the bread and we drink of the juice of that covenant you made with us, the new covenant. That God, without that covenant, we'd have no eternal security. We'd have no eternal everlasting life. And so in these moments, God, as we take this, we'd be reminded of the great sacrifice your son did for all of us on the cross. Now because of his sacrifice, we really do get to glorify you and enjoy you forever. Pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. As the deacons are coming forward and we prepare uh, the Lord's Supper